Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Especially for Pastor Smith, uh, I wish he was here, but uh, we have the the best part of his family here, Miss Rachel, she's the only reason we like him anyway, so. <laughs> no, that's not true. I, I love Brother Aaron. He's been a tremendous encouragement to me uh, over the years. Um, as far as, you know, missionaries, there's often a, a saying, it's out of sight, out of mind. And uh, while some of that's true, uh, there's, a, there's always a few folks in your life that, the God, that God brings into your life to just be an encouragement to you and to to stay in touch and to let you know that they're just praying for you. And that's been your pastor. And so I know that you guys love him and miss him. And I'm going to try to be an encouragement to you this morning in his stead if I can. Take your Bibles and go with me to 1 Kings chapter number 17 this morning. 1 Kings chapter number 17. Uh, As it was said, we've uh, been missionaries since 2013. Uh, Three of those years was in South Africa working with the Hosa people. And that is that clicking tribal language that I'm sure uh, Jeremy uh, spoke to you and uh, let you hear a little bit of while he was here. And uh, we just got back from Peru uh, about two and a half weeks ago after being there for nine months going through language school. And we're excited that the, that the Lord has opened the door finally after all this time for us to finally get to Argentina. Just a, a quick uh, overview, the reason that we... Uh, left South Africa and are now heading to Argentina. Um, you know, I know that the Lord knew it was a very difficult and trying time for us uh, to make that move. Uh, we love everyone there that we worked with and still have very good relationships with all of them. But for whatever reason, the South African government rejected our visas to return. And so when we look back on that, we just believe that the Lord used that to redirect us. Uh, He allowed that time in our lives to be uh, a time of preparation and training for what he has for us in Argentina. And so we're thankful that we can take... I'll tell you this, I'm thankful that wherever this word goes, that God has promised us that it will not return void. And you can throw a dart at the map and if it hits where people live, they need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're thankful that we get to go to Argentina, that we've already finished language school, and from day one we will hit the ground running. Be praying with us about this. Our goal, and it's our purpose, that within the next six months that we start our first church there in Argentina. So that's a goal that we have, and I would ask you guys to pray with us about that. 1 Kings chapter number 17, familiar passage of Scripture. You know the story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. And, um, and, uh, but we're going to be looking at that account for just a few moments this morning. Before we get into it, uh, Elijah, this is a time of famine. It's a time of drought. And Elijah is at a place where God has been providing for him and meeting his needs. In the very first part of the chapter, uh, we see that he comes to this brook where God is uh, giving him water to drink and that the ravens, uh, uh, the, the birds are providing what he needs for food. And uh, so Elijah's in this place of comfort. He's in this place of provision. And then all of a sudden, if we go to verse 8, the Bible says that the word of the Lord came to him 
telling him in verse 9 to arise and go to Zarephath. And I find it interesting that a lot of times in our lives that when we find our place in a place of comfort, where all of our needs are being met, where uh, most people would, uh, would want to stay, that it's in those times in the Christian life that God says, okay, I don't want you to get too comfortable because I've got something bigger and better for you somewhere else. You know, if we look throughout the pages of Scripture, there's not one person that God didn't call from one point of comfort to another place where he had to trust the voice of God, where he had to obey God's command. We look at Abraham. Before Abraham was even a child of God, before he believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness, God tells Abraham, whose name is Abram at the time, he says, get up and I want you to go to a country that I'm not even going to tell you. I'll tell you when you get there. Could you imagine being Sarah in that story? Abram's wife? Her husband comes home after a long day's work out in the field with the, with the herds and, and, and the cattle and the herdmen and all of that that he's in charge of. And he comes home and he says, honey... Pack your things, we're leaving. And she looks at him and says, where are we going? He says, I don't know, but we're going. You know, that's exactly what happened to Abram. Could you imagine being Sarah in that story? Could you imagine packing up your entire house, everything that you own, and leaving that place that you've set up as your home and going somewhere that your husband has absolutely no clue where he's going. I don't know about you, but my wife would probably fight me a little bit on that one. And here we see that Elijah is in a very similar situation. He's in a place where God has been providing for him. In a very difficult time, in a time of drought, and a time of famine, God has been providing for him and he says, Arise and go to this widow woman in Zarephath. Begin reading with me. Here in verse 10, notice this, it says, So he arose and went. You see, we talk about how the Christian life is a life of faith, right? Are you with me this morning? The Christian life is a life of faith. The Bible tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. We're told that we are to live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. So the Christian life is a life of faith. But I want you to understand this morning that often uh, our faith often begins with our obedience. You see, when we understand and we hear the voice of God speaking to our hearts about doing something, usually it's outside of the realms of, of our ability. Usually, it's outside of the realms of our own fleshly desires. I don't know about you, but there's nothing in my flesh that's good, and so there's no desire within me that would want to do something for someone else, to do something for God. So when I have that inward desire to serve others and to serve the Lord, you understand that that's not a fleshly desire, that's a desire from the Holy Spirit of God. Over in Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says, For it's God that worketh both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So if there is a desire to serve the Lord or to serve others, it's God who put that desire in you, and it's also God that performs that uh, through your life. And so our faith often begins with our obedience, and that obedience is usually not for selfish gain. 
And so here we see that he arose and went. He obeyed God's voice to go to this widow of Zarephath. And the Bible says, And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, uh, pray thee a morsel of bread in thine hand. Notice what her response is. So here is this widow lady who's never met Elijah before in her life. And this stranger comes to her and says, Hey, I need you to get me something to drink. And while you're at it, go ahead and bring me some bread. And she looks at him and she says in verse 12, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it, and notice this, and die. You see, she was in such great turmoil, she was in such great famine, the land was in such great drought, that she was literally on her last leg. She was at her wit's end. And all of a sudden, this, this man, this prophet of God, comes to her and says, hey, fetch me something to drink, and while you're at it, bring me some bread. And she looks at him and she says, sir, we have absolutely nothing. My plan is that I'm going to prepare the last little bit of what we have for me and my son. We're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. I don't know about you, but I've never been in a situation like that before in my life. Now, my wife and I, we've had some lean years. I remember when I, uh, the last year I was in the Army, I was doing recruiting and retention uh, in uh, the North Atlanta area, and it was very expensive in that area. Uh, we had a, a little two-bedroom apartment that was costing us $800 a month, and that's not including utilities or anything else. Uh, and uh, it was expensive. On a, on a Buck Sergeant E5 salary that gets paid on the 1st and 15th, some of you guys that have served before, you know that that doesn't go a whole long, uh, a long way in, uh, in rent in an area like that. Not to mention what you know. I thought, as every young man coming back from Iraq at the time thought, that it would be a really wise investment for this 21-year-old to uh, uh, take all of what he had saved while he was deployed and put it into buying a brand new Jeep and financing it at like 14% APR. So that was a wise investment decision on my part. So we were stretched pretty thin. I remember when that first year of our marriage, when we were living in that area, we got really creative at surviving on ramen noodles. Anybody ever been in that? Anybody had to live like that? You see, you knew it was the 1st or the 15th, which were the paydays. You knew it was payday when you got to add chicken to your ramen noodles. I tell you, it, was, it, it became almost a challenge. It's like, okay, we opened this pack of, of chicken-flavored ramen noodles, but we're not going to use that packet of flavoring. We're going to change it a little bit and see what we can come up with. But I, I'll just be honest with you, I've never been at a point in place where I was going to eat my last packet of ramen noodles and I was just going to starve to death. There's never been a time in my life where I've went to the kitchen and I've opened up the cupboard and there's absolutely nothing in there. And Elijah comes to this woman and he says, Hey, I want you to bring me something to drink and bring me some bread. And she looks at him and says, Sir, 
we are eating the last of what we have and then we cannot replenish it. We're going to die. But I want you to understand, God's provision in our life always begins with our step of faith. You see, our step of faith that God is calling us to, that step of faith that He wants us to take, even in this moment right now, that life of faith that is a child of God that we are told to live by, it always begins with our obedience to Him. But God's provision for Him to provide in our lives to meet specific needs always begins with our step of faith. Many of you know this saying, wherever God leads, He also provides. But many times I wonder if we haven't experienced that because we've not gone or we've not obeyed what he's leading us to do. You see, we say that we want to experience the miracles of God. We say that we want to uh, experience the days that we read about in the history books when our churches in America were filled Uh, and the altars were full of people praying and seeking the face of God. We say that we want to experience these miracles that we read about of how missionaries are being sent to the uttermost parts of the earth and that souls are being saved and churches are being started. We say that we want to experience that, but I wonder how many of us would be willing to put ourselves in a place where we stand in need of the miracle of God. You see, I just like everybody else want to experience the miracle and the power of God in my life. But the question I have to answer is, am I willing to be in a place where I stand in need of that miracle? And if you want to experience the miracles of God in your life, are you willing to step out of that comfort zone and be at a point in place where the only way that God can provide and the only miracle that, that you can experience is because that's exactly what you need in exactly that moment. You see, God's provision always requires our step of faith. Notice what Elijah says. Verse 13, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, But make me thereof a little cake, and notice this, first, and bring it unto me, and after, make for thee and for thy son. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, a lot of times I have this really wild imagination, and so I find myself in the Scripture right there, and I'm I'm just an outsider looking in. But could you imagine, the preacher comes by your house, you already are completely empty, you have nothing to offer, your plan is that you're going to eat what you have left and you're going to go and die. I mean, let's just look at this. But the preacher comes by and says, before you do that, bring what I ask from you first. I don't know about you, but I'm sitting there and I'm looking at Elijah and I'm going, hey, buddy, you just heard my plan. And if you think I'm going to serve you before I serve myself, you can go jump in a lake. Oftentimes, I understand I want to be very tender with this, but we have missionaries that come by the church. Hey, I am one of them. 
And we come by and we tell you all of the needs that we have for our ministry. We talk about uh, how expensive it is to do the paperwork to get into the country that you're going to serve. We tell you how expensive it is to buy property, how much we need to raise and all of this. And not one time did I come to you this morning and say, hey, by the way, what's going on in your life? And that's exactly what we see in Elijah's life right here. He says, first, before you decide to do your plan to eat the last of what you have and go die first, I want you to provide for me. Now, I don't believe that he was being selfish. I don't believe he was being arrogant. I do believe this. God already told him that he was going to meet his needs. And he said he was going to do it through the widow And so Elijah knew that that widow, that God was going to provide for her in order to provide for him. And can I just tell you, when God sends somebody by your way, and you know it's from God, and He places that that burden on your heart, He puts that desire in your heart to do something that's out of your ability for that other person, you you can rest assured that God's going to meet your need in order to meet the need of the person He's uh, sent your way. I remember when we were first married, we were attending church at Whitfield Baptist in Dalton, Georgia, which is Jeremy Hall's sending church. And uh, my wife was a, a, a fairly new Christian. She was raised Seventh-day Adventist, and so she had spent many of her years believing that it was her good works that saved her, and that as long as she didn't eat meat, and as long as she went to church on Saturday, that she was going to be good and get into heaven one day. But um, she trusted Christ as her Savior and not her works uh, in August Uh, of 2008, she was seven months pregnant with our first son, and I had recently rededicated my life and got my heart right with God, and we were were in church, and because we had decided that at that point, uh, bringing a a child into the world, that we were not going to raise him like all the other carnal goats in the world. And so we were in church, and she had just gotten saved, and it was October, and it was missions conference at Whitfield Baptist Church. And I can't tell you who the missionary was. I can't tell you what country he went to. Uh, I can't even tell you what passage of Scripture he went to. But I remember as we were sitting there, uh, I had just ETS from the Army. I was doing uh, contract work for Chattanooga Gas, installing the electric gas meter readers on their uh, gas meters. And uh, it was contract work, so it was very short term. And we were sitting about where she is right now. And she leans over to me and she says, Stephen, we need to give to this missionary. You know, it's always, it's always amazing to me that, that new Christians often have more faith than those of us that have been saved for several years. You ever notice that about new Christians? They're always more excited to be in church. They're always more excited to be a part of the ministry. And they're always, they always have more faith than some of us that have been saved for several years. You know why I think that is? I think that they just hadn't learned yet how to doubt God. Oh, that we would get back to those days of when we were first saved. When the Spirit of God spoke to us and we were excited about it. And when we just trusted Him to do everything He said He was going to do. Oh, to God that we got back to those days. But she leans over to me. She says, Stephen, we need to give to this missionary. And so I pull out my wallet and I open it and I look and all we have, I know that there's nothing in the bank account. I know that we have absolutely no savings. All I had in my wallet to get me through for the rest of the week until it got to payday was $2. 
But through my wife, the Holy Spirit of God began to speak to my heart. And he start, and that still small voice began saying, just go ahead and give it. Of course, I had that, that argument with the Holy Spirit in my head sitting on that fourth row during the missions conference. And I said, but if, if I give this, then I have nothing for the rest of the week. I'll get paid on Friday, but we've got three days before we get to Friday. And I'm supposed to make it three days with $2, but now you want me to give the last $2 that we have to this guy who I'm probably never even going to see again? And Ashley leans over to me again. She says, Stephen, just put it in the plate. And so I'm reluctant. I'm a little aggravated, to be honest with you. And I take that $2 and we put it in the offering plate for that missionary that I don't even remember today. As we're getting ready to dismiss from the service, we've cried, we've prayed, we've rejoiced, we've worshipped. It's, all, it's almost like when you, when you finally obey, even if it's reluctantly, when you finally obey, you just have this burden lifted off of you and you really get to enjoy yourself in the Lord during those moments. But as we're getting ready to leave, Pastor Cofield was standing at the back of the auditorium shaking hands like he always does. And we come up to him and he shakes my hand and he shakes Ashley's hand and he says, Hey guys, I need you to come to the office for me for just a moment. And so we step into his office and we're, we have absolutely no idea what he's about to say, but he hands me an envelope. He says, you can go ahead and open it. And so we open the envelope. There's no way that anybody in that auditorium that morning or that evening could know that we only gave $2. There's no way that anybody saw what we put in that plate as it passed by, but somehow, some way, there is a check in that envelope for exactly $82. You see, often God's provision in our life begins with our step of faith. Number two, God's provision often comes in ways that we don't expect. Continue reading with me in verse 14. The Bible says, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. In verse 15, And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he, and notice this, and her house did eat many days. You see, oftentimes when we think of God's provision, we equate it to financial gain. We equate it to somebody dropping off a large sum of money or some uh, unforeseen check showing up in the mailbox uh, at the right time. But oftentimes God provi God's provision in our lives comes in ways that we do not expect and in ways that we cannot explain. Exactly what happened to this widow woman here to provide and meet the needs of the man of God that, that God had sent her direction. The very uh, uh, thing of wheat and the cruise of oil that she had that she was going to use the absolute last of and her plan was to eat it and die with her and her son. That that every day did not fail until God sent rain and the drought ended. Could you imagine being that widow woman? Every day, go into that bag of wheat 
and being able to scoop whatever it was that she needed to make that bread. And every day knowing what was in there the day before and still taking the measuring cup or whatever it was that she used and reaching her hand down there and every time she pulled it up, there was what she needed. And every day going to that cruise of oil that she knew was about empty, that only had a little bit that was going to provide for her and her son before they died and taking that cruise of oil and measuring out exactly what she needed day in and day out. And not just for her and her son, but the Bible says for her house. And they did eat many days. You know, it may not be a big fat check that you get in the mail unexpectedly, and that's how God provides it. It may be that that vehicle that you think is going to blow an engine at any moment, that it just goes another 200,000 miles. It may be that, that that water heater that's making some weird noises, that it just continues to operate for a few extra months. It may mean that that bag of wheat that you thought was empty each and every day is renewed again. You see, God's provision always requires our step of faith, but God's provision often comes in ways that we don't expect. And when we can't explain how God is doing something, that's when we can look to Him and give Him all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. Because when we can't explain it away ourselves, that's when we look to Him. And many times in our lives, God provides in ways that we cannot explain. It says, and she and he and her house did eat many days. Last but not least, God's provision, it always serves a greater purpose. It always serves a greater purpose. If we continue reading in this passage, we see that after some time passes, this widow's son dies. And she comes to Elijah and she says, why have you come here? I thought it was to help meet some needs that we had. I thought it was for you to be provided for. But all of a sudden, my son dies. Have you really come here to call to remembrance uh, the, my sin in my life? Have you come here to punish me for something that I've done in my past? Verse 18, it says, And she said unto Elijah, What have I, do, what have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come to call my sin into remembrance to slay my son? Could you imagine being her in this moment? After all that I've done for you, now my son dies. I've been providing for you. I've been meeting your needs. I've obeyed your command. I've, I've even obeyed your God. And now you've, you've killed my son. Is this because of some wickedness in my past? Is this because of who I was or who I am? Why have you done this? And Elijah, Elijah says, give me your son. And he takes her son and as his lifeless body is laid out there, he throws himself upon him three times and he cries out to God, revive her son, bring life back to him. And God is moved to obey the voice and the, and the, and the pleas of Elijah and he revives her son. And then I want you to notice 
what she says here in verse 24. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God. And notice this. And that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. You see, God's provision in our life, it always serves a purpose. When God provides and meets needs in our lives, it's never just for our benefit. Now, I believe with all of my heart that God provides for His children. Can somebody say amen right there? As we've already said, there's never been a day that passed where I didn't have at least something to eat. God provides for His children. Over in Matthew chapter 6, we see that God, uh, God provides for the, the birds of the air and how much more does our Heavenly Father love and care for us that He will not also provide to meet our needs. He says that the, the flowers of, of the grass are adorned in more beauty, beautiful array than even Solomon in all of his glory. And how much more does the Heavenly Father love His children that He would also clothe them? You see, I, I believe with all my heart that God provides to care and meet the needs of His children. But you understand that God's provision, it's not simply for our benefit. God's provision in our lives always serves a greater purpose. You see, for this widow woman, I want you to understand where she was from. She lived in an area that, that worshipped the false god of Baal. I don't know if she was a believer before this. I know that God and throughout Scripture has, has used lost people to provide for the children of God in many ways. He used Pharaoh to provide for the children of Israel when, when Joseph was in charge. And, uh, and God has used lost people throughout Scripture to meet the needs of His children. I, I don't know if she was a believer before this. But in verse 24, it's clear at this moment when she has seen God work, she has seen God provide, she has seen God bring back to life her son that had died. She says, now I know that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. And my friend, can I just remind you this morning that to someone that you are the only Christian that they know. To someone in your life, you are the only Bible that they will ever read. To your friends, whether that's at school or it's at the workplace or it's at the ballpark, to your friends, you are the only example of what they know to be a Christian. And when this world sees God at work in our hearts and in our lives, providing for us in ways that we can't explain, meeting the needs of others through our generosity and giving, that's when they will look and they will say about you, I know that what you speak is how you live. And I know that that's the truth. In Sunday school we were talking about how things started for us in South Africa and what are some effective ways at being able to uh, reach other cultures and reach other people with the gospel. 
And we began talking about uh, what I believe is one of the key components of reaching folks with the gospel, and that's the establishing of relationships. We said this, this phrase that many of you have probably heard, people do not know, uh, care how much you know until they know how much you care. You see, it's one thing for us to go and tell somebody that if they died lost without Jesus Christ, that they would die and go to hell. It's a whole other thing when we have a relationship with them where they see us day by day, hour by hour, and moment by moment, walking and living a life of faith, seeing God at work in our lives, and then we not only become that gospel presentation, we become the very testimony, and our life backs up everything that we say. My question for you this morning is who is it in your life that's watching to see if you really live that life of faith that you claim? Who is it in your life that needs to know that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth? Because God's provisions for our life they always serve His greater purpose, and that is to see every tribe and tongue and nation come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God is not slack concerning His promise, but long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And many times in our lives, the only way that we can truly share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is for those that we're talking to and those that we have relationships with when they look at our lives and see that we live exactly what we speak. See, God's provision, it always requires our step of faith. His provisions always come in ways that we don't expect. His provisions always come for a greater purpose. And that's so that the world will look at you in your life. And they cannot deny it. That the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. This morning, what step of faith is God asking you to take? What is it that He's tugging at your heartstrings about? Is it maybe you get involved in some ministry that's way outside of your comfort zone? Maybe it's the neighbor next door and he wants you to go and invite them to church. Maybe it's that person at the workplace. Maybe it's that friend at school. But what is it that God's asking you to do what step of faith is He asking you to take? Because it's amazing to me when we finally take that step of faith that God just begins to line everything up exactly the way that it should be. And He meets our need. And it's always for this purpose. To make His name high and lifted up. Because one day every knee will bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. 
And one day every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My friend, they will do so at some point. But if they don't do that in this lifetime, if they are not born again, they will do so in the next life just before they slip into an eternal, everlasting place of torment. God's provision is always for His purpose. Let's pray. Father, we love You.